Lesson One: Basic Hip. Welcome to the Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is available for free anytime you want it at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. The show also has a mailing list and a Facebook group and a Twitter feed. You'll find all of them at thejazzsession.com. Speaking of Twitter, my guest today is trumpeter Jason Parker, whom I met on Twitter. He and his quartet have released an album called No More, No Less, and they are joined by guest saxophonist Cynthia Mullis for this mashup of Summertime and Footprints. My guest is Jason Parker. He and his quartet have a new album out called No More, No Less, and it's my pleasure to have Jason on the show. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks for having me. It's a real pleasure. Well, we uh, we have been communicating uh, in various ways in cyberspace, uh, primarily through Twitter, where you're very active, and I want to I want to come back to that. But uh, the the main reason that uh, we're here and that you're here and that you're doing all that work is because of the music. And so I want to start off by by focusing on this record, and I hope that you would start off by telling uh, who's on the record with you uh, and just a little story about the quartet. I know you guys have been a working band for a while now. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm real fortunate to have a working band. I know that that's, um, you know, it, oftentimes that's rare in the world of jazz, and um, when I put the band together, I, I, honestly, I wasn't sure how long it was going to last because all these guys are, uh, you know, they're pretty much first call cats here in Seattle and everybody's working with them and you know I you never know when somebody's going to get called or, or when somebody's time is just going to um, you know become just eaten up by, by other projects and all these guys are, are so busy but they've they've been gracious enough to stay with me so um, my band is Josh Rawlings on uh, piano Evan Flory Barnes on the bass and Devon Lewis on the drums and um, I've been playing with Josh now for probably about four years he joined my the the uh, previous version of the quartet, we we, we met uh, also on the internet. That was back when MySpace was where you met people, and uh, so we met through MySpace. He actually plays in another band that uh, I was I was looking for an opening band, and it seemed like a good fit. And we played some shows together, and really got to know each other, and started playing a little bit. And when the piano chair came open in my band, I he he decided to come along, which was great. And he had been playing with Evan and Devon and various other groups. Uh, off and on for a couple of years. So when it was came time to make um, 
the record that became our first record, which is just called the Jason Barber Quartet, um, I knew I wanted to make a change in the personnel of the band. And uh, I asked Josh his opinion. He said, "Well, why don't you just ask Evan and Devon? Because I've been playing with them, and I know they, you know, these guys are total pros. And we had like three rehearsals, and then hit the studio. We hadn't played a gig together, so that was, you know, I hired them basically just to make the record with me because I knew they could come in and and read the charts down and and make a great record, which they did. And, and we should point uh, out that the record you're referring to is not this one, but the previous Jason Parker Quartet." record that's right yes yeah yeah we're 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 back in the history right now (laughs) um but um to to bring you up to to make a long a very long story a little bit shorter um you know they we started playing gigs after that initial record was made and uh you know really started to get to know each other um, as people and as musicians and really come together as a band so a couple of years of gigs went by and we had made a live record in between, but I really wanted to document the band as it was now. And we had been exploring some different things. Um, you know, we play, a, we, we had a, up until, a, you know, a year ago or so, we play a lot of standards and uh, a lot of the music that I, you know, kind of grew up listening to and, and love. And, you know, that was really great. But these guys are, these guys have the ability to cover so much ground and stretch and do so many wonderful things that we started to play some of our own music and we started to bring some interesting um, you know, non-jazz music into the band, um, and and that's when the band really started to gel. It was when we all, you know, ended up putting a little bit more of our personality into it um, with the musical choices and just the playing. What is it that makes this band work for you? You you obviously knew early on when these three guys were together with you that it it was a good fit. How could you tell? What was it about the music or the way you guys interacted that made it obvious? I think it's two. That's a good question. I think it's two things, really. Um, one is that uh, you know the three of them together are such an amazing rhythm section, and you know these are all young guys. Um, I'm the old guy in the band. Evan Evan is the next oldest, and he just turned 31. Devon and uh, and Josh are still in their 20s, and they, um, for especially you know considering their age, they they have incredible ears. And they're constantly listening to each other and to me. They're constantly, you know, everybody, everybody's ears are so wide open. And it really allows the band to go anywhere that anybody wants to take it at any given moment. So it may be that, you know, I'll, I'll play a phrase and, and we'll go off, you know, chase that. Or Josh will play something and we'll go off and chase that. And so it was their ability to play together as a rhythm section and to really, um, be fluid with the music and let the music, you know, take us where we needed to go. That was my initial impression. And then, you know, from my perspective as a, as as a soloist playing on top of a rhythm section, they push me to do things that, that I wouldn't otherwise do. I mean, when we started playing together, as I said, we were still playing predominantly standards and um, that was what I was comfortable with. And little by little, you know, they sort of started pushing it a little farther and a little farther and a little farther to the point where I was feeling very uncomfortable, and um, which is great in a, in a good way. You know, um, they really they really make me stretch and make me reach for things that I wouldn't otherwise reach for, and um, and I couldn't you know, I couldn't be happier about that.
talk a little bit about uh, how you approach leading a band? Uh, how do you uh, how do you approach uh, kind of directing the other members of the band, uh, whether it's in a recording situation or on a gig? Uh, and what do you look for in band members in terms of kind of professionalism and, and the way they approach the music uh, as a as a trade as well as as an art? Well, for for years before I made my living as a musician, I I was in the I guess you could say the business world. I worked in radio, if that's if if that's you know <laughs> in the business world. And yeah, that's for, that's not a business. Now. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I can't I can't possibly allow radio to be classified as a business because I don't want to be a business guy. So okay, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> um, how about this? I learned from people in the business world. Very nice. Uh, and and early on, I realized that what would set me apart would be. Um, you know, operating the band as as a business, uh, you know, in terms of um, you know the the sort of behind the scenes back end stuff, but also in terms of how I present the band to the public. And uh, you know, I I knew early on that I wanted to be the guy who was always on time and and didn't get drunk on the gig and dress and showed up, you know, looking appropriate for whatever the gig might be. And you know, a lot of that comes from the fact that I've spent many years playing uh, weddings and casuals where you have to be that way. Uh, and so I, I approach my, my band on gigs in, in, in a similar way that I really feel like, you know, we're there to provide a service to whoever we would be playing for, whether it's a bride and groom we're playing for or whether it's a, a, an audience at a club. And um, I, I take that seriously. So, you know, for me as a band leader, I look for people who share that same um, philosophy or at least are willing to buy into that same philosophy. Um, and... You know, I, from from an early time, I always paid the guys well. You know, I, there's there's many many gigs that we play where they're the ones that get paid, not me, and that's fine. I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I don't say that to sound like some sort of martyr or to bitch about it. It's just the way that it is, and that's totally cool. Um, you know, I, I really want to make sure they're taken care of, and and honestly, I think that's part of the reason why the band has been together for so long is because they feel like they're respected musically, but they also feel like they're treated well. Um, you know, we, 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 I, I feel like I'm, I'm the business man and I'm the guy leading the business and, and their, while their creative input is certainly, um, important and encouraged and, you know, is, is a big part of it. I also feel like they're sort of, I need to take care of my employees. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. That makes a lot of sense. On this, uh, on this record, No More, No Less, were these all tunes that, uh, the quartet, had been playing uh, in live situations was there some new music brought into the session how did that work in terms of the recording of the album yeah this album was was very different than the first album as i said the first one i, I brought them in and we hadn't really gigged at all um and all of this material we had gigged to some extent um some of it we've been playing for years um we've been playing um the the sam rivers tune beatrice for for a long long time we've been playing our our version of this little mashup we do of summertime and footprints for for years even before this band was together i've been playing that so uh, much of this music we had definitely gigged and and workshopped and we we had we had arrangements that were set um the the newest tune to the book was uh, mance's dance which is written by another wonderful um, trumpet player from Seattle who now lives in New York and is and is and is doing great things there. His name is Tatum Greenblatt. And when I was picking tunes for the record, um, I wanted to spotlight one of my peers. You know, so often we, we we pick these songs from 50 years ago, which is great. I got no problem with that. But I always also thought it would be cool to play something from a current jazz musician. And uh, and I've always loved Tatum's playing, and, and that song is is super groovy. So um, that was probably the newest 
chart to the book, and and we, you know, but even that we had gigged a little bit. I really wanted to make sure that we had worked on these songs because um, I think it makes a big difference to to play them live. They, you know, you can rehearse them and rehearse them and rehearse them, but until you play them in front of an audience a bunch of times, you don't know what kind of shape they're going to take, and and that's such a fun process. You know, speaking of the uh, the mashup of uh, Summertime and Footprints, I'm kind of surprised that that doesn't happen more in the jazz world. It happens all the time in just about every other genre of people, and particularly in hip-hop and, and a little bit in the pop world, of people taking one tune and another tune's chord progressions or rhythmic structure and mashing them up, as as the name suggests. And so uh, I, I'm just wondering where the idea to combine these two tunes uh, came from for you. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's a fun way to do things, and, and I, I hear it every once in a while. There's a singer, and I'm blanking on her name right now, a singer from San Francisco who does a lot of that, which is cool. Um, it, the, the way this one came about, I, I, as I, I mean, it's been a long time, but I think it came about just, you know, quoting quoting one of those tunes in the other one. I think that, you know, there may, you know, we were playing Footprints one night, and I might have quoted Summertime or vice versa, and I thought, oh, you know that worked really well, and and when I sat down to do the arrangement, there's this one. You know the 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 structures of those songs are different. One of them's a 12 bar song, and one of them's a 16 bar, and so we had to actually extend the form a little bit to make it work. And in the process, there's this one moment where 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 the melody note and the chord don't really match up very well, and that's like my favorite part of the entire song. There's this one little <laughs> moment of like weird, freaky dissonance in the in the in the in the head, and it's like, oh my god, it just makes me. I just love that that moment right there. So, you know, it, it was just a it was just a nice uh, happenstance that that quote came out. And once we started playing it, people. I mean, you know, everybody knows summertime, uh, whether they're a jazz fan or not. And and you know, every jazz player knows footprints, and so it, it certainly gets a lot of attention when we when we play that tune. I uh, back in my very brief career as a saxophonist, um, I did once a mashup called "Body and Soul Eyes," which is just what it sounds like. It was a mashup <laughs> of, and uh, it which actually was uh, the a combination of the melodies and bridges from both songs, and then reharmonized, which was uh, also a lot of fun. So uh, I great. I commend uh, to you "Body and Soul Eyes," since I'll no longer be performing it. Feel free to. Uh, we're gonna work that one out. All right, man. So. Um, the way I actually came to know that you existed in the world was because of your really smart use of social media. And it seems now in the last maybe year or so that some sort of jazz blogosphere, and I, I always cringe when I say that word, but luckily I'm already married, as I also always say. Uh, but the jazz blogosphere and this kind of jazz Twitter community has has really started to, to gain some legs and some traction. But you seem to have been an, an early adopter. Uh, can you talk about your first steps into marketing yourself online as a musician and why you thought that was a good idea early on? Yeah, it, it, it's funny. It, you know, I always, I always swore that it wouldn't be me. I wouldn't be that guy. Um, and I think a lot of us who are in it deep now probably can say that. But, um, you know, when... When MySpace came along, I put up a MySpace page, but I, I didn't really have a, a use for it. I was just there, and I would post my gigs and whatnot. That was in and the 70s, Facebook, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't even remember, man. It's too hard. It's so, so far back. <laughs> but uh, uh, when, when Facebook came along, I, I sort of I, I avoided it for a while, and, and, and finally I gave in, and I, and I put up a Facebook page, and... and Immediately, I mean, like there was no lag time. Like from like the gig, the next gig, there were twice as many people at than the gig before, and I could trace every single one of them back to Facebook. And and it 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 became very clear very quickly that that was the way 
for whatever reason, that was the best way for me to get people to come to my gigs. I had I had I had been sending out a monthly newsletter for years. I mean, for so many years. Sending it and via email, Jason. Sending it via email, right? And you know, and then when MySpace came along, there was those MySpace bulletins and invites, and that was just it was never effective for me uh, in terms of driving people to gigs. Uh, and then and then Facebook came along, and all of a sudden, I found a way on the web to get people to gigs. Why it's different, I don't know. Why it worked, I can't tell you why. Uh, but I but I think part of the reason is that that early on, I must have read somewhere that. You know, the the people who are successful at social media are the ones who are not the hucksters. You know, everybody can smell a huckster a mile away. And if all you're doing is talking about your gigs and your bands and buy my CD and come to this gig, you know, people tune you out just as much as they tune out a commercial on television. And and so I, I realized early on that I just needed to talk to people. And and it was kind of, you know, those early those early stages of Facebook for me were kind of fun because as, as ever, you know, there's this progression that we all go through, right? The first people that find you are your, you know, your high school friends or your elementary school friends and you connect with all these people and then you find other like-minded people either in your town or somewhere else. So I found a bunch of jazz people and a bunch of music related people. And so, you know, we, I went through that sort of Facebook relationship progression and, and I found it really fun to tell you the truth. I know a lot of musicians who don't enjoy it at all. Um, but I really found it fun, and maybe that's the radio background and the fact that I like to talk a lot. Um, but it was just another way to talk to people. And so um, I think that maybe the reason that that was so successful is because I was just putting myself out there and talking about whatever. Yeah, I would mention that, hey, I'm playing over here, but I would also talk about things that were important to me. Or I do a lot of cooking, so I, w- I was posting a lot of pictures of, of food that I was making, and that seemed to resonate with people. And so Facebook really was my first you know, my, the moment where I was like, okay, this, this social media, whatever that is, it seems to, seems to have an effect on things. And, and then it was May of last year, maybe, I think it was May of 2009. It seems like, you know, it's funny. Maybe you have the same thing. I feel like I've been blogging forever. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I can't remember a time before I had a blog and it was last May. <laughs> right. <laughs> it, it's really quite astounding to me. So I started the blog just because a lot of my friends, Musician friends would ask me, you know, well, how do you get so many people to come to your gigs? You're gigging so much, and how do you make a living as a musician? And and uh, and I thought, well, you know, maybe I'll start talking about this on the web, and and maybe people would find that helpful and find that interesting. And so I started the blog, and and really had had a had a. I guess I had some sort of conception of what it was going to be, but it seems to change all the time. Um, but that that led me to Twitter. When I started the blog, then it was like, okay, well, I guess now I've been avoiding this Twitter thing. I don't understand it, but I know that it. People say that it helps bloggers, <laughs> you know. So I I jumped on Twitter and I found a couple of people really early on who were who were really helpful to me, you know. And again, who were stressing that it's you know just like Facebook. It's like you just got to be a human being, got to be a person, and you got to you got to actually want to talk to people, or it's not going to work. So I just started talking to people, and 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 you know the amazing thing is that. While I don't think Twitter brings as many people to my gigs as Facebook, I think Facebook is much more local for me. Facebook is all about people that I know, people who are near me. Twitter, most of the people that I talk to are like you. I've never met them. I'm, I, you know, they're on a different coast. They're in a different country. Um, but similarly, I think that I've been able to develop some relationships that have helped me just get the record out there. And, and, and people have heard this record that never, ever would have heard it. 
had I not been on Twitter, yourself included, right? I mean, you know, the, the chances of my record making it to you otherwise were pretty slim. But now, you know, the you know the guy who writes for NPR hears it, and the guy who writes for the New York Times hears it, and, and you know, all of these people who who are are wonderful people to know. You know, I now I know all these people, and I can talk to all these people, and um, you know, like like Facebook was driving people to the gigs. I think this has just opened up huge doors, just in terms of getting the music out there, and and not to mention just people who like jazz that have, that have have gotten a hold of it. I mean, I, you know, a lot of times social media people talk to other social media people, <laughs> uh, but there's also this world of just normal people out there who who like to who like music or who like to talk to musicians or whatever you know whatever what have you. And so it's just it's been really fascinating to me to see how it all works and how the how the 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 net just gets cast so wide now. It's it's astounding to me. In the last town that I lived in, um, and I worked on the radio there, there were two guys that I met through the, my radio gig, one of whom was also a, a DJ at the station, and another was a, a jazz fan and promoter, and we used to get together once a month at one of the guys' houses and just play records for each other. And I've, to me now, um, Facebook and Twitter and the kind of the jazz session and its its commenters and listeners have become almost like this giant record spinning party. And there are people. I mean, I just don't know that many jazz fans in the city where I actually live now. And to be honest, most of my friends are not friends from the jazz world, and so they're not really jazz fans. But now it seems like there's this entire community of people where geography doesn't matter, and we can all just talk about the music anytime we want to and get almost immediate feedback on whatever idea you have which to me is really exciting and it seems like that's been working for you where you have used your blog and your social media tools as a way to say you know here's what I'm doing what have you done that's worked for example like talking about the tour um, I don't know if you want to talk about that that you've been putting together but I know you've been looking for feedback on how people tour successfully for example uh, it seems like that's been useful for you as a as a conversation starter and kind of a uh, a place to aggregate experience. Yeah, I, I think the, the the record listening analogy is a great one, and and uh, it definitely expands to so many other things. Like there's there's so many experts out there 
or experts. I don't know if, that, if that's the right word. There's so many people out there who have who have done it and lived it and succeeded and failed and all the things that I'm going to do, right? It, and it's amazing to have that, to be, to be able to tap into those people, you know, and whether it's like booking the tour where I'm saying, you know, what's the best way to approach uh, venues? Do you, do you write to multiple venues in one town at, at a time and hope one of them responds? Or do you write to the top one on the list and wait until they say no before you go down the list? Like all these questions that, that in prior times were so hard to find anybody to answer unless you knew somebody in your own town. Nowadays, there's a million people out there who are willing to share this information. And, you well, know, that's one, one question, just not to interrupt you, one question I love that you asked was, uh, like you asked a question about what kind of van to get. And I think one of the people who responded might have been John Goldsby, who last time I checked was in Germany. And, right. you know, I mean, it, like that kind of, that would have been beyond impossible, uh, you know, yeah. not very long ago. There would have been no way, probably no way, either of you would have communicated with each other. And now it's like instantaneous. I mean, you say, what kind of van should I rent? And this really well-known bass player who doesn't even, you know, live uh, on this continent says, oh, well, here's my suggestion for what kind of van you might get, which I just love. I mean, that's exactly how it's supposed to work, I think, in the social media world. Yeah, indeed. And and, and he did it in 30, you know, 30 seconds after I asked the question, I had an answer from this guy who, who has toured so much. And not only that, he even suggested talk to this company because they may want to sponsor your tour i mean it's like people are so willing to share of themselves and and that's what i have found just to be amazing about this about this world is that you know so many people who are who are on the web and who are using social media um are so willing to share you know it's like for sometimes you run into people who are kind of guarded and they're like this is my information i worked hard to get it and you know, you just have to go out there and work hard to get it yourself. And I don't find that very often at all. Um, and maybe it's because those people just don't respond. But there's so many people who do respond and say, here's the answer to your question. Oh, and have you thought of this? And like, we'll even like take it one step further. It's really, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I had an incredible Twitter moment this past weekend uh, where I went down to um, San Francisco, which I grew up near San Francisco, and and um, if you read my bio, you'll know that uh, it was it was a performance by Dizzy Gillespie at my elementary school that uh, started me on the path to being a trumpet player. And I've been searching for a picture or a, or an article about that day for years, and my search has led me to all these different places. But it finally led me to a woman at the uh, the organization that presented that original concert at my elementary school, and she was so thrilled that I had called her. That she said, next time you're in town, why don't we take you to the elementary school and you can play for the kids? And, you know, it was such a full circle moment for me and it was such an amazing thing. But at the same time, I was down there by myself and I'm like, I don't want to just go play trumpet in front of people. That's not going to be very fun for the kids. So I had met this guitar player named Rob Michael who lives uh, near San Francisco and, and plays in an amazing band called the Atmos Trio. And he and I had met on Twitter and we had shared some, you know, shared some information and he reads my blog and I read his and I wrote him and I said hey I've got this opportunity to go to the elementary school they're not paying me but it's this cool thing and here's the backstory would you like to come and he said of course I'll come so we ended up meeting like five seconds before we played and we played a few songs we played one of my tunes one of his tunes and the standard for the kids and had this amazing time and again it was all because just sharing you know sharing information on Twitter and meeting people uh, that's that's really cool that's a great story you um this uh this 
past year that just ended uh, did something that many people would would think is nuts, and that is to uh, to give away many copies of your brand new record for nothing. And as a matter of fact, not just to do that by like having people come to a gig and walk away with free music, but in fact to to leave them in interesting places. And I, I hope you'll talk about uh, that project and and the inspiration for it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, you know, I I actually completely stole this idea. This was not my idea, but um, I stole it from an author who did this with her books. And she decided that in an effort to just get her books more widely read, she would start leaving them in these little paper bags with little notes on them that said, this is a gift for you. And she started leaving them around town and then giving them to other people to leave around town. I just thought that was such an, such an interesting idea and, and such a sort of a cool way to get the music out there. I mean, we, we so often, we, we, we beat our heads against the wall trying to get played on the radio or trying to get, you know, people to hear us or come to our gigs and all this stuff. And, and for me, I was in the enviable position that I, my record was paid for before it even came out. So I wasn't in debt, which was, which, uh, you know, is not often the case. Oftentimes we're incredibly in debt when the record comes out, but this time it just worked out for me that I didn't have to owe anybody anything. So I figured, let's try this. So I left some around Seattle, and I started sending them to friends in different towns. There's, they're, so far, they've been in New York and Chicago and Houston, in uh, Munich, Germany, and Copenhagen. Uh, I sent them to Iceland, which haven't arrived yet, but hopefully they'll be in Iceland soon. And I think that's also a Twitter connection, right? That and yeah, a lot of these were Twitter connections, as a matter of fact, or, or connections through the blog. Um, the the guy in Germany was just a guy who happened to a jazz lover who happened upon my blog. Um, I sent him to uh, an amazing piano player in Iceland who I met on Twitter, and uh, the, to, to one of the guys in Chicago is a guy I met, you know, another trumpet player that I met online, and uh, they were in, totally into the idea, and they were like, great, so. Um, you know, I wrote up these little notes that said, this is a gift, and I hope you enjoy it, and it's just an effort to give back. I had such a beautiful time making this record. I want people to hear it, and if you like it, you know, send me an email and let me know where you found it and what you think, and if you don't like it, pass it on to somebody else. And um, it's 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 funny because I I the response that I've received from people who have found CDs, I mean, I have to assume that the, most of the CDs were found at some point, Um and the response hasn't been as great as I would have hoped for. Uh, I have gotten a few responses, and and they've all been positive, except one. There was one, and I, they were they've all been positive. Most of them said, "I love the record," and thanks very much. One guy said, "I can tell that you guys are great, but this is not my kind of music," and so I'm passing it along. Which I thought was just as cool as somebody saying they liked it. That was cool that he 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 did. That. But you know, really, I've just sort of gotten more attention from this. Um, from from people, you know, because it's a it seems like a novel idea. I don't think that many people have done it, and um, so people have talked about it, and uh, it's it's gotten a couple of mentions on the on the internet. So you know, I mean, it, it was it was really fun, and I'm actually going to send out a, a, a couple more. It was it was called the Hundred CD Project, and I've I've sent out ninety so far, so I still have ten that I that I have to get out into the world. So maybe this this next batch will get me some more responses. But it you know it was just a cool idea. I thought it was neat. Um, I thought it was a cool way to give some people some some records, and like you said, rather than giving them away at a, at a at a show or, you know, just randomly handing them to people, I thought well, wouldn't it be cool to just leave them in in funky places? And and you know, on my blog, you'll see people left them in some really funky places. They've been all over the place. My brother, who lives in New York, put one above the door of the Village Vanguard, which is the best picture of the whole group for me. <laughs> see my CD like right above the door at the Village Vanguard. I was like, yeah, man, that's great. <laughs> 
Well, my guest is uh, Jason Parker. He and his quartet have a new album called No More, No Less, and uh, links to Jason and all his various online guises uh, will be in the show notes at thejazzsession.com. And uh, Jason, it's been a, a pleasure knowing you online, and I'm, I'm really glad you agreed to come on the show and uh, look forward to uh, chatting with you out there on the on the web and on Twitter and on Facebook and every place else. Thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, me too, man. It's it's a real pleasure, and and I love what you're doing with the show, and and it's an honor to be to be you know on here with uh, you know so many of the wonderful musicians that you've talked to in the past. So thank you for having me. That's Jason Parker and his quartet from the album No More, No Less. This is The Jazz Session. I'm Jason Crane. The Jazz Session is presented by AllAboutJazz.com, the web's leading source for jazz news, reviews, MP3 downloads, and more. Every episode of the show is also available for free anytime you want it at thejazzsession.com and in iTunes. If you visit thejazzsession.com, you'll see a donate button on the left-hand side. It's brand new. And uh, if you feel like the Jazz Session has added any value to your life and you'd like to give a little back, uh, this show otherwise really makes no money and pretty much loses money, so I'd love to have some of yours. Feel free to donate, although you're certainly not required to. Speaking of people who've donated things, uh, my thanks to the Respect Sextet, who composed the theme music for this program. You can find them online at respectsextet.com, and if they're playing anywhere near you, go see them. Tell them the Jazz Session sent you. Thanks also to Dave Rabel, who designed the show's logo. Please go out and support live jazz whenever and wherever you can, and come back next time for another conversation about jazz on the Jazz Session.